Well, I better enjoy those moments. And uh, as Taylor's going to be moving for too long. Uh, if you want to come see the preacher fall apart and promise land in May the 26th, just come right on and uh, watch him fall to pieces. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to a, a pretty powerful passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll start with verses 1 through 7, and if you look on down, we're going to finish that chapter out if you follow your outline in your bulletin. And, uh, you know, and I was listening to the words of that song, very powerful words, and uh, God loved us not for what we did or what would we would become, but He just loves us no matter what. He just loves us for us. And that's the reason that he sent his son to die. Many people have trouble just loving others for who they are. And, uh, you know, that's another reason that uh, I believe in the power of this book right here. And one of the most things that Promised Land believes should be lifted up, and it's one reason I wanted to get my microphone set right, is because you know what Promised Land believes? Promised Land believes that the preaching of God's Word is the most important thing about Sunday morning. It's the most important thing about Wednesday, about Sunday night. It's about you hearing a message from God. It's not because I'm anybody special, but any man of God that will preach this book, if you will listen, it will change your life. I was listening to the verses before, uh, the first two verses I think it was, of uh, Taylor and Caleb's song, and there are a lot of people in this room right now that are living a life of confusion. You're living a life where, and it's not a bad thing, there's nothing wrong with being confused, and somebody said, well, I'm glad because I'm always confused, you know, and so we've all, all of us have been confused, and that's the title for this morning's message, A New Year of More Confusion. In a second, I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to need some help again, Caleb. I've got another handout to give you. It's a USA Today article with a graph that came with the article. I checked it out, make sure it was all legit, because sometimes you get information through emails and other sources. But I always try to check, especially if I'm handing it out at church, make sure that the sources are good. Uh, but it's about confusion and about the, matter of fact, the Bible predicted that this would happen. And whenever you listen to a lot of people, instead of listening to God and His Word, it can lead to confusion. What, say, what's right? A lot of people don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. We don't. Matter of fact, uh, it, it seems like uh, we are running in a heyday of people that says, well, you believe this and I believe that and, well, you know, let's just love one another and all get along and it's... Uh, so we just learn to compromise, but we should not compromise on the truth. So let's just read real quick 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, 
truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women. Uh, That just doesn't mean silly as in we think silly, but if you have a King James Bible, but it just means carefree, uh, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, I ask you this. What is truth? What does God want us to do? Um, I put in my introduction, first of all, the Bible is not confusing. People say, well, I, man, I, I don't want to read that book. Try it. Matter of fact, I passed out. There are still some in our track rack. Read through the Bible in a year. Uh, track, slip it in your Bible or wherever you read the Bible. And uh, check it off. Read it. Uh, take a take a shot at it. I mentioned last uh, Sunday how that a lot of people have uh, these smartphones now. I love mine. I love my calendars. I love my organizers. I try to stay organized. But it's also the smartphones have a Bible on them. You can get it. It's free. And many of them, I know one especially called Version Bible, and you can uh, set it up for a daily Bible reading plan. It'll just pop up every morning or every afternoon and you just read whatever if you have one of those smartphones, and uh, there's a gazillion of them out there. And so it's not confusing. The Bible's clear-cut. Now, there there may be some uh, different ideas on prophecy or something like that, but it's, for the most part, the Bible is clear-cut. Did you know that? It says right is right and wrong is wrong. It's pretty, you know, we just have to, sometimes you read the story, and the Old Testament's full of examples about how to live and how not to live. And the New Testament is full of great information on how to be a strong Christian in today's world. But, you know, we say, well, this is what we say, well, uh, it's just, I don't know about living by that book. I just need to love everybody and be nice and yeah, I, I want love. That's good. I want forgiveness. Oh, yeah, we got to forgive each other. But standing for right and wrong, now, just wait a second. Now, most people, whenever I preach hard against sin, uh, there's a lot of folks that say, yeah, preacher, preach on hard on sin. But some people say, wait a second, you're meddling. <laughs> wait a second, you're meddling when you start talking about Naming sin, preacher, don't name sin from the pulpit. How could you do that? And, uh, well, uh, Jesus did, God did, and if we're just going to have to cut up the Bible and leave a bunch of parts out, we might as well just all all stay home, go watch a ball game or soap opera if we can't stand for what's right and right and wrong and wrong. Now, listening to a year of more confusion, I've got these handouts, and this is what I wanted to get to. And so... uh, Caleb, John, Ethan, I'll put you to work because uh, you're going to leave us too. And uh, good to see you, man. Come on. I need help. I need help. Come on. I need help. I'll pass those out to everybody. Y'all go up each aisle and uh, just pass them out. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, just head on down there. Everybody get one. And uh, Wesley, I need to grab one from you because I forgot mine. Oop, thank you, sir. I appreciate these guys helping everybody get one of those and and uh the 
If yours is like mine, flip to the inside where the title is, the title of the article. The title of the article is More Americans Tailoring Religion to Fit Their Needs. I'm going to just kind of pause a second and while they're passing these out, and you'll get, you'll get to them. Should be, we got 150, so it should be plenty. Everybody to get one. Okay. You can share with your husband or your spouse or whomever. Now, I tried on mine, my original, I highlighted. And it looks like I marked it out on the black and white copy, but it's, it's a highlight. Okay? It's a highlight. Okay? They're doing good. Doing good. Coming on. Thank you, Ethan. Some of our college and career guys. Okay. Coming on around. Caleb's got some more. John's got some more. Lift your hand up if you don't have one. There, y'all see them back there. Okay. Now, you see this uh, article by Kathy Lynn Grossman, USA Today. And this is interesting that a major newspaper would put out something like this. This is just but the way she wrote it. Thank you, John. Thank you, Wesley. Thank you, Caleb. Okay. All right. Now, I just want to hit the highlights real quick. That's the dark printed. You can just leave them on the front row. There you go. Thank you all, sir. The highlights real quick. Here's basically, basically people just want to believe what they want to believe and throw the rest away. Here's the highlights. First one. The folks who make up, make up God as they go are side by side with self-proclaimed believers. That's you and me, by the way, who claim the Christian label. I claim to be a Christian. I don't always, I'm not a perfect Christian, but shed their ties to traditional beliefs and practices. Religion statistics expert George Varna says with a hint of exaggeration, America's headed for 310 million people. By the way, that's how many people we have in our country. With 310 million religions. We are a designer society. We want everything customized to our personal needs. Hold the pickles. No onions, please. Yeah. Our clothing, our food, our education. But he says now it's our religion. Next one. A highlighted dark area. Most, more people claim they've accepted Jesus as their Savior and expect to go to heaven. And more say they haven't been to church in the past six months except for special occasions such as weddings or funerals. In 1991, 24% of the United States was unchurched. Today, it's over 37%. All right? Barna blames pastors for those oddly contradictory findings. Now, those pastors go, to, go across all denominations. And I think he's right, okay? If we don't stand for the truth, because people say just believe whatever, just love each other and all these other things. Blames pastors for those oddly contradictory findings. Everyone hears Jesus is the answer. Embrace him. Say this little sinner's prayer and keep coming back. It doesn't work. People end up with bored, burned out, and empty. He says they look at church and said, Jesus died for this? And that's basically what it is because a lot of times people come to church and they say, I see so-and-so sitting beside me who was drunk last night at the party. And what if he's so-called Christian, but the thing is, a lot of people don't realize that, that 
uh, Joe Blow or whoever it was that was drunk at the party, now sitting beside on Saturday and now sitting beside him in church on Sunday, that he's just as confused as they are. Okay? And he's, he's not a Christian. He's a church. He may be even a church member. Did you know you can be a church member? You can even be saved, but not living right. You can be saved and not living a Christian life. And there are many people that are saved or, or are church members that aren't living a Christian life. Next highlight. Barna laments, people say, I believe in God. I believe the Bible is a good book, and then I believe whatever I want. Folks, this is where it's dangerous, and this is where it leads to confusion. Listen to me very closely. You cannot say, I believe the Bible, and then live opposite. It's kind of like saying to the police officer, I believe I should drive 55, but I'm going to drive any way I want to, and he will, guess what, write you another ticket anyway. Okay, so don't say I believe the Bible and then expect I can live any way I want. And then there's no consequences. You know, there's no way it's not going to happen. It will catch up with us. Next highlight on the bottom of that highlighted page or one with the title. I'm kind of now this is a quote from this Carol uh, right above the next paragraph. It says this Carol Christoffel of Zion, Illinois. She says, I'm kind of a bridge person between cultures. I agree with the teachings of Jesus. I know many Christians like me who keep Bible, who keep the Bible social teachings, which means love each other, don't kill anybody, don't hit anybody. That's the social teachings. And, uh, and who care for the earth and every other, in each other, Christoffel says, I support people who do good wherever they are. That's a key statement. Now, here's where I'm fixing to get you. If you ever get in a conversation with a college-educated idiot, people say, just be good. Define good. Now, I can say that because I've been to college, you know, and graduated in the seminaries and all these other degrees, and it doesn't mean hoopla if you don't live it, okay, and practice what you preach. I ask you what is good because there is confusion on what good is. Next uh, deal, the highlight on the, the front of your stapled part, it says, it should say the first highlight, the September edition of Moment, which is a Jewish paper, says, can Judaism be without God? And most say, yes, it's incredibly exciting. We live in an era where you pick and choose the part of religion that makes sense to you and you connect through culture and history in a meaningful way without necessarily religious practicing. In other words, Jews want to be a practicing, they believe in God, but I want to live like he doesn't exist. That just, that's, that's a contradictory statement. And then it goes on to say to this next person, Sheila says, I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. It's Sheilaism. So I'm Sheila, and I believe in Sheilaism. That's my religion. So I guess that mine would be Michaelism if I just lived any way I wanted to. All right? It's my own little voice inside me. I just try to love yourself, be gentle with yourself. You know, I guess, take care of each other. I think God would want us to take care of each other. So what it is, you know what that is in the Bible? The Bible already named that. When you make up your own God, that's called idolatry. 
If you make up your own God, it's called idolatry. Don't have any other gods before me. She made up one called Shelaism. That's dangerous. Next highlight. The bad, you know, and next highlight says, and all this rampant individualism also fosters hostile hostility toward organized groups, governments, even organized religion. Other, you know, and I had my own family members tell me that. Listen to this. My own family member, one of my pretty close family members said this after being all over the world in the military, said, I'm against organized religion, but I trust you, Michael. <laughs> like, no, you just contradicted yourself. And I, I don't like organized religion. I'm against organized religion, but I trust you, Michael. But the thing is, folks, religion never saved anybody. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus. That's where people get confused. It says, uh, today, even the godless, talking about atheists, disagree on how, how not to believe, says Rusty Steele of Denver. He grew up Lutheran, retained his parents' strong moral code, but he says he couldn't stick with the ancient myths of trying to people to make, of people trying to make sense out of the world. I don't find much comfort imagining that an all-powerful God who allowed people starving, uh, all over the world in natural man-made disasters. Very last one. So now, this uh, Morris fella calls himself an agnostic or one who doesn't know what I... And then he says, then there's a period. Then it says, I'm on the very bottom. What I believe is, is that you can just do the right thing and it works everywhere. Who said that? Morris, that uh, army fella. Let me ask you this very quickly. Be careful of people who says we just need to do good and love each other. This is a lie from Satan. Or they say this. Just do the right thing. Keep the article. There's a graph in here. Compares the way people are. This is a United States graph. The only This is not a world graph. United States only. Of how people have shifted their beliefs. Now. People say just do the right thing. They don't know what the right thing is. Just do good and love each other. What is good? Do the right thing. I ask you that. Now, here's the what I call the default. Everybody goes back to, well, I've never killed anybody. And I love it when people tell me that because I'm glad I like to be around people who haven't killed anybody. Okay? That's the kind of people I like being around. You know, I love it. People always go that deep. I've never killed any. And that's the way I think we ought to live. We just need to be good and don't harm anybody. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, first of all. All right? But, folks, people don't even know the right thing when it comes to that. Because of what? Abortion. We can't even... I mean, you say, it's okay. I don't believe in killing anybody or harming anybody. But you can do it if they're in a mom's tummy. That's what they say. I'm talking about religious, uh, God, so-called God-fearing people and all of that. And there may be some in here this morning that have had an abortion. If, and, hey, listen, abortion is something that is just like I was dealing with a preacher's wife one time that had had an abortion early in her life. And she was struggling with the guilt. Folks, God forgives no matter what you've done. It does not matter God loves you anyway. He loves you for who you are. Okay? Not for what you're going to become or what you can do for Him. He loves you, all of us. And there's none of us in here that are any better than anybody else in this entire county. Okay? And so looking at that, folks, 
I'm trying to tell you, people don't know right from wrong. We live in a confused... I just gave you an article from the USA Today that we live in a confused country. Why? They don't want the Bible. Therefore, they say, just do good and right, but they don't know what good and right is anymore. It's a, and guess what I just read to you in 2 Timothy chapter 3? God said it was coming. God said it was coming. It is coming where we, we're going to live in a society of confusion. We're going to live in a society where we don't know right from wrong. And then, did you know this, that there's also in the world, especially the world, there's a thing called euthanasia, which is a Latin term, which means mercy killing. You might have heard of, especially in veterinarians and, and dealing with animals, euthanize. Euthanize is a mercy killing, okay? Put it, put it out of its misery. That's what euthanize means. It comes from the Latin there. And so, and did you know in some countries that if a person is old and bedridden, the children can put their parents to sleep? In some countries, yes, yes. Now, saying that, uh, I believe in people's uh, choice to make tough decisions and there's no clear-cut guidelines anywhere and uh it's kind of we live in a society that because of medical advances have put people between a rock and a hard place and i have been with my family i've helped my mom make this decision how much care do you give somebody especially with my grandmother my mom's mom it was a tough decision do you know do would you know how many of us would want to live on a ventilator the rest of our life you know and and that, you see what i mean we live in a society today that because of medical advances we've become but the thing is there's there's a difference between uh not giving ultra life uh, uh techniques of keeping personal life versus saying I would rather let them die just a, a death of dignity and respect and withholding care or, so to speak, you know, putting them out of their misery, so to speak. Putting them out of their misery would be intervening and causing the death to happen, and which is what Dr. Jack Kevorkian was famous for, the so-called suicide doctor who would say, I don't want to live like this anymore. And he would hook up the IVs to people, and he said, "All oh, you." And he would never pull the plug on anybody. What he would do is he would hand them the button, and the button what would would release the medicine that would take their life. And that was what, if you remember all that back in the news, he's passed away now. But there's other people who believe that. See, we can't even come to a consensus on that. We live in a day where it's confused and society's confused. But folks, the Bible says it is. It's not confusing. It has the answers. It is right from wrong. Many of us want to say, I just want to love everybody and get along. But the folks, we cannot agree. Because why? We don't know what's right and wrong. And many of us, pardon me, I was... Uh, I didn't bring my sheet from my office, but that's fine. I tallied all of the cards that were turned in last Sunday morning. Last Sunday morning, we had we kind of a, a resolution between us and God. 
And many people wrote down the two main things that people wrote down is what I've been preaching all my ministry. I need to read my Bible more and I need to pray more. There were a total of, and now I know a lot of, some people did put more than one thing and I checked those off too. <clears throat> there were a lot of people that said, I want to witness more. Matter of fact, there were 12 people out of all the cars that put, I need to witness more. You say, well, everybody should have put, no, their people were putting what they felt led in their heart because people, you're not going to witness more till you pray more. You're not going to witness more till you read your Bible more because that all witnessing is, is a sharing of what happened to you. And so if you say, I want to do better, equip yourself with the Word of God, read it, study it, learn, come to Sunday school, come to Sunday night and Wednesday night Bible study. Equip yourself. The gray areas are blurred. We've gone from what the Bible says, from one man and one woman to, well, a man to a man. Or a woman to a woman. Many states now allow homosexual marriage. And what's it going to go to next? A man to a boy? Or a man to a girl? You say, oh, that would never happen. Many people said homosexual marriage would never happen. And uh, now it's being allowed. So if you can change the rules, you can keep changing the rules till everybody is thoroughly confused. And that's where we're headed. If you leave out the Bible, it leads to a life of confusion. How to stop the slide by taking a stand. Did you know it's okay to change the methods? There's a lot of people, we don't need to change methods, uh, we need to just do it like we've always done. Well, then there would be no Sunday school. Sunday school's only been done 150 years or something like that. And, uh, well, then we, did you know if we go back to the old, old method, then there we wouldn't have a church building. There were no church buildings for a long time. And then heretical churches invented them. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, first ones who ever did it weren't. Baptist churches weren't uh, even Bible-believing churches, but they were churches of the state. So look back in our text in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I hope you didn't close your Bible too quickly. So let's stop the slide. Man, I'm tired of being confused. Preacher, man, that article confused me. I, I, what, what? People live believe like that now. Uh before I go any further, let me say this. Right now, there are a lot of people in this room who have life, and you've got everything figured out. There's a lot of people in this room that have a home that's paid for. Most all their bills are pretty situated. Their income is pretty situated, and life is, is all right. And did you know there's also a lot of people in this room that's there's a lot of question marks in front of them. See, you are, in a, a lot of you in this place, especially you who are already retired, everything is, is pretty much set. You know where you're going to spend the rest of your life. You know where you're going to live the rest of your life. You know probably about your income for the rest of your life. But there's a lot of people in this room that have a lot of question marks in front of them, right? How, where am I going to live for the rest of my life? What what was my income going to be the rest of my life? What, I, you know, I've got the rest of my life. To, I, I don't even know what's going to happen the rest of my life. 
And a lot of times, those who already have everything figured out don't have a whole lot of patience with those who don't have everything figured out. And looking at these statistics and they're trying to figure out things, we need to go to God's Word. But thou, I'm Second Timothy 3.10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my teaching, Timothy. Timothy, you know me. You know my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, charity, and patience. You know the persecutions and inflictions that I've been through, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystria. What uh, persecutions I endured, but out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Folks, if God got you through one rough time in your life, He can get you through another rough time in your life. Yea, and all them that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. In other words, remember all that, Timothy. Timothy, you went to church as a little child, if you will. Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Notice there's nothing else mentioned there. How do you get saved? Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing else mentioned there. Okay? All scripture is given by inspiration of God or comes from God. Inspired means God breathed. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Now, you're, if you have a King James Bible like mine, it says perfect, but it doesn't mean without mistake. It just means complete, mature, grown up, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, I need... To know the Bible. I need to know what it says by living it. And when it says is profitable, the Word of God, that's a huge scripture. Matter of fact, if you're going to memorize John 3.16, I advise you to memorize 2 Timothy 3.16. That's an awesome scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, or correction for instruction in righteousness. All right, listen. What is this, doctor? It tells you those four things. Look, look at the very bottom of your outline. God's words tells you what? What to believe. How to live. What's wrong. All I'm doing is matching it up with what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, Instructing in righteousness. What are those four words? What to believe. How to live. What's wrong. And how to have a right relationship with God. You want to know what to believe? Or, or is your life, hey folks, we've all been confused. Man, I've been at an intersection and didn't know whether to go right or left. And uh, I, I, and I love, that leads me to remember one of the most famous quotes from Yogi Berra. When you come to the fork in the road, take it. I love that quote. That is awesome. Now, Yogi Berra is known for his yogiisms. 
But listen, you may not know which way to go at the intersection, but I guarantee you, if you're serious in your relationship with God, there's no need for confusion. Matter of fact, if you're serious in your Bible reading and study, and it doesn't mean that you say, well, I wonder if this is referring to something. I'm not sure. Study. The Bible says study. The Bible says read. The Bible says pray. But it's two things we don't do enough of. So listen, maybe you're continuing. This is only the second Sunday of the new year. Can you make that commitment to say, I need to do better. I need to lead my family. Did you know there were a bunch of people who checked that? They said, lead my family. There were a bunch of people who said, be more faithful. There were a bunch of people that said these three words, be better husband, be better wife. A lot of commitments, a lot of commitments made last Sunday between you and God, by the way. And I thank the Lord for your desire as we prepare for a hymn invitation. Whatever the Lord may be leading you to do. And hey, life is confusing. But God's Word is not. It, it really isn't. A lot of people say there's confusing things in it. I, every bit of it has just is right there available for you. Just read it. Look at it. Ask questions. God's not above us asking questions. Well, God, what, what do you want me to do? God, what does this passage mean? God is not offended. He is not offended at all. Ask questions. Dig. He's not afraid of this book ever being messed up or tore up. It has never been proven wrong, never been defeated, never been put out of existence, and it never will. It's an awesome, awesome book.